Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent. I'm here in the Dungeon of Doom with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Kat. Hi. And Dave. Hello. And this is the love episode. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day to all you lovers. What a sudden face. I just meant to you guys, not to the listeners. All right, so uh, it's Valentine's Day, and the reason why we did this podcast is because we love horror movies. How I started this obsession with horror movies, I was probably eight years old, maybe even younger, and my parents' friend's son babysat me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have quotes here under babysat, because uh, he would go into his room and just play heavy metal music. I'd later find out that he was freebasing cocaine in his room. Oh, nice. um, and he just set me in front of a TV with a stack of VHS. Um, he was a metalhead, so uh, generally the selection was horror movies. And I just put these VHS tapes in and watched them at, at a very, very young age. I love them. And, you know... I didn't turn into a violent person. I have like never been in a fight in my life. I'm the most, you know, laid back dude. And um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, lessons in these horror movies that are important. Because I mean, I was watching uh, Looney Tunes where I thought that it, you could just, you know, stick some acne <laughs> dynamite in someone's mouth and like smoke would come out of their ears. And what that kind of would lesson be is that? For yeah. I drop an anvil on my friend's head and stick his <laughs> finger in the leg yeah, socket. It's a big joke. Yeah. And then I, that was when I was like, really realized like my mortality. I was like, you know, wow. Like, Oh, that's what happens. This is very final. It's like very much a counterculture. Horror movies are usually, um, you know, the underdog, um, and even if it's not about the character in the movie, the people that made these films uh, to begin with were very much outcasts from the film world. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but... Um, do, you my, remember, do you remember any of these VHS movies? I, I'm dying to know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were... Uh, you watched Pieces sure. recently. Yep, uh, Pieces was one of those. Yep. Um, there were a lot of, like, these really obscure, cheap ones. Uh, Luther the Geek... Um, Maniac. Oh, yeah. Sure. The the original, um, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth stuff, um, all the slasher stuff. Well, my I, I watched most of the same stuff. My my initiation into this um, nonsense was very similar. Also involved babysitting. Um, I don't think there was free basing involved, but actually, I can't swear to it. Um, when I was like five, we lived outside of Bangor, and uh, I had two uh, older sisters who were at Orono at the time and uh, lived in the dorms. And on Saturdays, sometimes I would go visit them in the dorms, and uh, every Saturday they would be like, Trent, do you want to watch Creature Double Feature? <laughs> yes. And I'd be like, yeah, I do. And they presented it, if, if, you don't, if people don't know, Creature Double Feature was on network TV like every Saturday at noon, and it was like an old-time horror movie followed by like Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra type thing. Hello, and welcome to the Creature Double Feature. This afternoon, find out who will be the victor when vicious monsters engage in a fierce and bloody battle in Godzilla's Revenge. Then at 2.30, a world-famous diamond detective encounters a gigantic jellyfish in Dagora, the space monster. <laughs> they 
presented it like it was the coolest thing in the world. In retrospect, they were just trying not to deal with me. And they were probably going and getting high and doing whatever they were doing while I was sitting there watching um, Creature Double Feature. But I was, like, transfixed by it. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, and then later on, you know, when I was a little older, um, Dave, you were talking about, like, you know, sort of the sort of outcast perspective of horror. And, you know, I certainly was uh, growing up when I was in sixth grade, junior high, like that type of age. Um, I would have these sleepovers, um, invite like three or four of my other dork friends over. And what we would do is rent like three or four of these VHS movies, um, whatever looked like too scary for us. I would go and pick them out. My mom would let us watch these. And so we'd get in our sleeping bags and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Evil Dead. I mean, the pencil scene in Evil Dead, every time I think about, like, three of us on the floor in our sleeping bags going, oh, my God, like, <laughs> people leaving the room, you know. Uh, and so now when I watch horror movies, like, that, that's sort of like what I feel like. When I feel like I'm back in that, that time. It was, you know, it was a challenge. Like, what can you take? What's too much? What can you know? Do I dare to like ask my mom if I can rent Blood Feast? I don't think I dare. <laughs> Never saw that one, but and that's you know that's like what I feel like I'm doing, you know, with you guys. Like we're we're at, we're at sleepover at my place. <laughs> I, I also watch Creature Double Feature, and I and I also feel like that these rural towns like Bangor and Gorham and Standish, like did they get some kind of deal on these movies because they were so <laughs> low budget? Because yeah. you'd go to like a variety store. <laughs> yeah. And there'd be a couple like <laughs> B-list movies, and then you'd have a ton of horror. Mm-hmm. I used there was a video. Um, what was the old one? Home Vision Video. Yes, they had I Spit on Your Grave just right out, <laughs> right out on the aisle. I mean, one of the worst things right there. I'm just a kid walking through. Oh, that looks good. Uh, Kevin, you how'd you get into this? Uh, similar. Uh, it had nothing to do with babysitting though. And for those of you who know my mother, she is a lovely woman and unbelievable. But for some reason, um, she just let me start renting horror movies when I was like five or six. Um, there used to be this old video store. I don't remember Dave Downtown Gorham. Um, it was super old. I don't right think it was there too Hannaford. long. Yes. Yeah. And well, well, to go back, my family is a huge Stephen King family. So I was walking around picking up books at my grandmother's house when I was a kid. Like, oh, what's Pet Cemetery? What's it? Um, so I would heard of Freddy. Walked by Nightmare on Elm Street two. I think I saw two before one. Um, and just begged my mother. And she was literally just like, all right, well, if you don't sleep, that's your problem. You know, you're not getting in my bed. <laughs> right. um, and literally from that point on, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than my siblings, so I would end up babysitting a lot. And literally my mom would work late and come home, and every single night she would have, like, this 99-cent video from some terrible story. And like you said, you know, there'd be, like, a couple dramas. There'd be, like, the big dramas, the big action films, and then, like, 6,000 horror movies. So, like, <laughs> yeah. my mom would come home with, like, Mosquito. And right. it was horrible, but it was like, I was so pumped. Like, I'm going to sit and watch this thing. When do you have to bring this back, Bomb? 6 p.m. tomorrow night? I can watch this three times. <laughs> like, um, and from there, it just took off. I mean, I, was re- I remember coming home with a note from my teacher when I was in fourth grade because she found, like, Pet Cemetery or The Stand or something in my book bag. It was like, just want you to know that, you know, your son's reading this stuff. And my mom sent a note back that was like, yeah, I gave it to him. So, <laughs> like, leave him alone. Um, but, like, you guys, I mean, I think real life is way more terrifying than horror movies and I think that's why I like this stuff so much you know like there's a little yes. campiness to it or you know sometimes I just feel better being scared or pushing pushing myself 
You know, like when we're pushing our limits, like, you know, hey, have you seen this or have you seen you could possibly make it through that. That to me is significantly less scary than going outside and facing like the Agreed. actual life I live every day. Absolutely. Look, look you know? at the, the, the hierarchy of the people that survive like the slasher films. It's yeah. always like, um, you know, like uh, the douchebag jock. <laughs> Is definitely dying, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, the the vain girl is dying. Uh, Absolutely, and, and the girl that kind of has it together, she's a little bit more earnest than the other people. Yes. Um, you know, she survives. So I feel like that there were some some lessons they were leading us down uh, a way and, and saying something about. Uh, Absolutely, and that that comes back to the sort of outsider culture. Yeah. Um, you're you're sort of when when you're young, like you're that you're supposed to be the survivor, right? You're in all the people that are bullying you, they're cooler than you, more attractive than you. They're the ones getting they're getting yeah. off. They're getting yeah. Yeah. You know, like to go to your sleeping bag thing. I I have a distinct memory because I was never like the super cool kid or anything, but I spent a number of years in the Bonnie Eagle School District. Um, so oh, those of you from Maine, yeah, you're probably saying every town has an Elm Street. You're probably apologizing to me right now. Um, but I remember going to a sleepover and bringing faces of death. I, I, I convinced <laughs> yeah. one of my oh, uncles. Yeah. I have oh, uncles God. that aren't that much older than me. I convinced <laughs> one of them to rent faces of death. Oh, man. So there's all these boys. We all get in, like, our sleeping bags and stuff. And we you put should, in, like, never-ending story or something. You should preface faces of death to the people who don't know what it is. So faces of death um, at the time was marketed as an actual compilation of basically snuff films. It was just a compilation of video clips of people dying. Um, it later came out as a total hoax. Um, yes. But if you're a kid in, like, fourth grade, like, you're buying that hook, line, and sinker. It was whispered like, about when I was a kid. People, have you seen this? It's banned in so many so, countries. So I remember, you know, getting getting ready for bed, putting in, like, never-ending story or something so that the mom's like, oh, you kids, okay, we're going we're gonna to shut the door now, and then putting in faces of death. And being like, you guys are not going to believe this. And like half the party ended up calling their parents and like leaving and going home. But I don't think I was ever invited to that house again. Kat, what, what, what was your uh, initiation into the world of the macabre? Well, I think shitty babysitters definitely have a role in everyone that loves. <laughs> like keeping the horror yeah. industry shitty, going. Shitty parenting. Shitty, well, so my parents would always be, you know, off somewhere. Who knows? And then I have a much older sister who was not a good babysitter. Um, but I lived, at the time, I lived in this huge farmhouse on, like, 91 in York. And it was definitely haunted for another time, stories. <laughs> we'll, but we'll I'll, I'll never forget, it's, like, ingrained in my memory. I was, like, four or five, probably one of my first memories. And on, like, this little poltergeist-style, like, rolling TV, my sister put on, like, the first Halloween. And I remember I thought I saw someone real like i thought it was like a faces of death situation i'm like oh, i just saw someone get murdered what is this and then so she would put on that i remember she put on poltergeist one time and the creepy clown will forever be ingrained in my memory and so i think it took like the opposite effect for me where i hated horror movies for a very long time but then i became you know then i was a creepy goth kid you know and i'm like oh maybe i'll just like watch some of these this will be fine and then ever since then it's just like my jam. You can't get enough. Yeah, I can't get enough. You're still yeah. a creepy goth kid. Yeah, <laughs> always and forever. Does, does anyone have a holy grail? Like, is, does anyone have like definitive like this is the horror movie for me? Like, if I if Texas, I get stuck on an many, island, but Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Me too. Me too. Yep. Cat, you have a holy grail. 
I mean, Halloween sticks out in my mind just because that's like my first one where I. It's definitely a holy grail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A funny thing about, you know, uh, talking about horror movies as a kid is my mom used to have a very, very sensitive gag reflex. (laughs) Um, She took me to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the really campy but very violent Mm -hmm. one. Um, and she vomited all over the movie theater. <gasps> no. She vomited no. and had to leave. <laughs> and I begged her, please let me stay. Please let me stay and watch the rest of this movie. So I watched that movie by myself in the, uh, in, in the movie theater when she had to just leave because it was too much for her. But, it, you know, I used to do stuff like I'd just pick my, mo- my nose and show it to my mom while she was driving the car and she'd throw up out the window. <gasps> oh, my like, God. Yeah, she, had to, she was very That's sensitive to, to, to grossness. So that also, like, played into me liking horror as a kid because, like, oh, I can make my mom throw up. This is awesome. <laughs> it all makes sense in, in <laughs> retrospect. So bad babysitters grossing out your mom. Um, being an outsider, wanting to sort of um, test yourself, um, and, and we should you know point out like a lot of the towns we're talking about. We're we're, we're in Maine, right? You know, um, and Stephen King's from Maine, so yeah. you yeah. you get exposed pretty quickly to a lot of true a lot of Stephen King. It's kind of steeped in the the history of the state, yeah. the culture of the state is steeped in The Shining and Salem's Lot mm-hmm. and all of this type of stuff. All right, it's time for the horror movie news. Just when you thought the news couldn't get worse, Speak All Evil presents horror movie news. So this week, we're talking about horror and the Oscars. Um, Big snub year. Yes. Mm -hmm. The movies that uh, many thought should have been considered were Us, Hereditary, and Midsommar. Those are great movies. Those are movies that the acting was pretty much the centerpiece. True. Um, it, it was a big snub year, and also The Lighthouse, which was my um, third favorite movie of 2019, in, in the theaters anyway. Um, Did that come out too late for Oscars, or? No. No, it was, no? It was out in the, in the fall. I don't, you know, I didn't love Midsommar, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I sympathize because it's my thing, but at the same time, I don't want to be like one of those Marvel people crying that, you know, Ant-Man didn't get anything. Like, you know, it, it's like... Of all the I, Marvel I, characters. I, I, well, you know, it's I the same. to illustrate the point. It's the same. I mean, it's right. like we were talking about earlier that, you know, the guy at the comic book store is kind of like the guy at the, the horror movie video section. You know, like, it's a sister uh, genre, and it's, it's a sister obsession to right. me. Like, I don't get into that stuff really at all. Um, but I get it, and they want to be recognized because... I mean the 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 Marvel universe and and all the superhero comic book films like they're amazing. They're, I mean I would have killed for those if, if those were around when I was like thirteen and I still cared about comic books and stuff. I would have been loving life, and I might right. be doing a superhero comic book podcast now instead of you know instead of this. But I recognize that it's it's a genre, and to me part of part of genre is like you don't get that respect, and I don't I don't I don't think that I'm watching Fellini. You know, or even Scorsese. Like I'm watching my cheesy stuff. But everything stuff falls like. into a genre. So why why does horror get such a stigma? Well, there aren't many action movies nominated, comic book movies, comedies don't really get. You know, these these awards to me are um, they're dramatic, they're dramas. 
pretty much across the board. Anything with Tom Hanks. I mean, I think Tom every Hanks. movie that Dave just <laughs> yeah. named off could almost fall under like a drama. I, I think so too. Rather I mean, Hereditary, horror. like the whole first hour of that movie is just intense, dreaded acting. Family. You know, like, you know, yeah, it's, family. It's just yeah. a family movie. Well, <laughs> a movie about a family. A, a really a family picture. movie about a family. Yeah, don't and, bring your children. And also, you know, I've read about um, you know the technical aspects of these movies, how groundbreaking they are, uh, because they're not based in reality, um, much like the comic book heroes. Um, they're not based in reality, so they have to constantly be getting these discovering new ways to scare you or new ways to make you disoriented. Even visual techniques, I mean, you know, not that this should have been nominated for an Oscar, so put your fruit away before you throw it at me. Here we go. But do you you remember the movie 30 Days of Night? David Slade directed it. Yep. Mm -hmm. His first movie had been Hard Candy. So Hard Candy's fantastic. Yes. But, like, he he did the whole thing, like, kind of washed in different, like, colors with, with Hard Candy. So with 30 Days a Night, what he did is he filmed the whole thing with, like, a blue lens to make yeah. it look colder than it was. Yeah, it was cool. And then I remember watching that movie in the theater and, like, like it was going to help me, but leaning forward at times. And then he'd scare the shit out of you because he was intentionally mixing, doing the audio mixing. So if they were, like, up in the attic and hiding from the vampires and whispering, he would turn the audio way down so you had to like lean into it and then when something happened he'd pull like a Trent Reznor and crank it way up and scare the crap out of you so not that that's maybe the best example of an Oscar that you is know, an Oscar example stuff, of, but like it's just kind of like what hard right, does it is like, because it's innovative in a lot of ways and we were, we were talking Dave and I earlier about um, people that start in in the genre of horror like Peter Jackson like Sam mm-hmm. Raimi um, many others that you know kind of cut their teeth and make their their name by being innovative um and then they then they are afforded the opportunity to you know go on and make these supposedly you know higher well, look at higher peter brow. jackson it wasn't isn't it waiter or something the group that did the special effects for the lord of the rings are the same group that basically was helping him do like bad taste and dead right. alive back in the day right you right. know and they all kind of progressed together cat did you uh, watch the oscars this year um, I watched the highlights, I think. No, I didn't watch them. No, I was hoping you didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. I don't. The Oscars, I mean, they started out as like a joke between, you know, actors and like filmmakers. Like everyone was just like being like, oh, look at us. Ha, ha, ha. And now it's like, you know, multi-million dollar, right. yeah. you That's know, the take, thing. Really. Like, it's blah, blah, stupid. Blah. Like nobody really, they only choose films that are like marketable. You know, it's to, a, to be in the and categories. It's a lobbying campaign. Yeah, I mean, well, people spend voting a year. on actors. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and it's just they a big spend money jerk. on it, like lobbying to get this. You know, they decide which ones we want to spend money to convince everyone to. Yeah. Um, I don't think you want that kind of validation. And frankly, folks, I'm glad we don't have it. So um, we all picked a movie uh, in this genre of uh well horror that has to do with love and i i still can't remember what i picked nina forever oh right i picked nina forever and trent you picked let the right one in correct kevin audition Mm -hmm. and cat did it follows and we uh let's start there all right so the question was brought up is it follows you know does that fall under the love category and so I thought it did, because there's definitely, like, some sort of pining going on between the characters, to, you know, the that weird 
little dude that wants to be the hot dude that the lady bangs, you know, that kind of situation. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible detail. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, and so the, you know, this little weenie guy is basically like offering himself up to get this weird demon in him for this, you know, woman that he loves, you know, the woman he shared his first kiss with, blah, 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 blah. But then kissed her sister. Like that was a weird part in it. I don't know if anyone else. Love the one you're with. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should uh, take a minute to just summarize what this is. Uh, It follows as like a, a story of an STD that makes people come after you and kill you unless you sleep with somebody else. You have to give it away. Pass it along. Give it away. Um, I found it, though, it it went a little deeper than that, I thought, in, in terms of um, these encounters that you have with people, whether they be a relationship or casual dating or even a one-night stand or whatever it is, you know, beyond the, the gag of like, oh, it's an STD, it's a demon, um, you know, these things often never leave you, uh, whether they never leave your mind or your heart or these people are like popping up in your life all the time, you can't get rid of them. Um, they interfere with future things you've got going on. So to me, like this demon just represents a lot of the complications that come, you know, over, over a lifetime of, you know, being involved in, in love. So the, the first time I saw this movie was with Trent and Kevin in the movie theater. And we were at odds over if it was a good movie or not. I did not like it at the moment. And uh, on second watch, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I read about uh, it being a dream of the director's, and he tried to make the movie as dreamlike as possible with lots of disorienting things as far as uh, when it took place, um, even like what season, what year. It was very disorienting like a dream is. So some of these things that I was just like, oh, this guy has failed to uh, have some sort of consistency in this movie and none of this makes sense that was the whole point um yeah kevin you um you fought me on it as well at the time um immediately after the movie i was like these guys don't know what they're talking about so what did you what did you think the second time around did you um change change any of your perspective well i disagree see see we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree here because I, i hope so i remember liking the movie when we saw it in the theater um i think I was disappointed that it wasn't... So on first watch, I think I was disappointed that it wasn't explained to me what the hell this thing is that's following you. Um, But Dave's article, you sent us an awesome article about the time period. And fortunately, I read that before I went and watched It Follows Again. And I've watched it a few times since it hit streaming, even just since then, like when I have nothing else to watch. So you've hit the bottom of the barrel for Netflix or whatever. But I remember enjoying it. I, I especially remember talking about the score. I think it has a phenomenal score oh, yeah. for a horror movie. And again, like a lot of the things they point out, like the weird clam phone or the fact that like they're swimming in a pool and then they go to leave somewhere and they're wearing winter jackets. Um, and then again, to go to the time period, like the score is almost like 80s-ish. Um, I, I dug it. I mean, and on subsequent watchings, I've actually just liked it more and more. And then I think if you can go and kind of just Google It Follows time period and just go down the rabbit hole and then watch the movie again, you're going to enjoy it like even more because they had so many Easter eggs that they throw out or they point out that you may not be looking for. Because the first watch, you're, you're, you're literally in every frame. You're like, where is the creepy thing going to show up? And you're not noticing these really subtle things that he did or where he drops the music in or where, like I mentioned, like the the 
the green grass in one moment, and then all of a sudden it looks like it's like early winter or something. And, it, so. and it's cool to uh, like technically scare people different ways in movies. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's not always, oh my god, this guy's got a knife and he's coming after me or whatever. It's sometimes it's just in that vibe, or, or sometimes it's the soundtrack uh, that makes it scary. Um, so I, I liked it. Follows. Uh, Kat, I, I wondered when I was watching it. Um, Early on in the movie, there is the scene where um, the guy has her tied up down by the uh, by the harbor, or whatever. Sure, yeah. ties her in a chair and explains to her, um, which a little weird, I thought, but um, he explains to her what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm sorry, we we had sex, and now you have this thing; it's coming after you. I just want you to know. Mm -hmm. um, did that resonate with you? Um, in any like real life experiences? Um, no, not really. Um, I've never been tied up down by the harbor in a warehouse ever. I, I think it's metaphorical. Yeah. Cap, but I, I mean, I have certainly like, sure. things that I could relate to that. So I wondered if that had anything to do with your connection to the movie. Um, not really. I just thought it was a good Fine then. Moving on. <laughs> Kevin. Let me think. Um, we had mentioned um, that my pick, Nina Forever, was kind of a good companion uh, sister movie in the way that, uh, that it doesn't go away, uh, in the right. way that uh, yes. love lingers. Nina Forever is more about, like, uh, an ex. Right. So they're in a, they're in a relationship, and the, the ex is the zombie, ghost zombie, that won't go away. Again, very similar to It Follows. And I think, you know, personally, I loved, I loved Nina Forever because... Mm -hmm. I mean, who can't relate to being on either side of the ex that won't go away? You know, you're trying to have this relationship, and it's like this third zombie, you know. And to, so in the movie, they're literally having threesomes with the zombie. Trying. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never even heard of this movie before. So, mm -hmm. I mean, again, Gutter comes through with something I've never heard of. Same. Um, and basically, it's a guy loses the love of his life, and he's trying to move on. Um, and as he starts getting it on with... You know the first girl that he's sort of you know taken seriously since since his ex since Nina, um, she basically comes out of the bed as a zombie, and is like, "What are you doing, man?" Yeah, so she's manifested every time that they make love. Uh, yeah. she comes up through the bed and joins them in like a very Hellraiser kind of way. Yes, it's very Hellraiser. <laughs> I thought, uh, Kat, what did you, what did you think about Nina Forever? I thought it was definitely interesting the first watch through. Um, I was a little stressed out because why would you keep buying like sheets for that? Like just get like yeah. a plastic bedding. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny. My girlfriend was also stressed out. Yeah. by Like how, why are they going to keep buying this, these sheets? How many sheets do they buy? How can they afford uh, these? See, I related to that because I mean, who hasn't flipped a bloody mattress? I just thought it was weird that like, no spoilers. This is all a spoiler alert, oh, we're spoiling but it's all spoiler. Yeah. Um, at the end, like it was the new girlfriend that she was connected to like that whole time. Mm. And I was just, I guess I was just kind of confused because they, you know, in the vein of like them not explaining why. I'm like, do, are they going to say why? It was kind of like, like a being John Malkovich kind of thing where I yeah. think the curiosity of something so strange and different was what made the new girlfriend go towards Nina instead of uh, the boyfriend I, who was kind of skeptical about the whole thing. Mm. And, and she was, you know, very curious. Mm. My pick was let the right one in which has been uh, one of my favorite movies uh, since I saw it, actually, when it, uh, when it hit uh, DVD. 
I watched it a number of times, probably three or four times. I kept it for a little while. Um, to me, it's it's sort of the ultimate um, Swedish vampire uh, Titanic uh, is how I think about it. Um, and, and also similar to It Follows, where we talked about the, um, the kid that was willing to set a demon upon himself to uh, consummate his love um, with this woman. In this movie, you have um, a kid who is willing to spend the rest of his life um, killing people and draining their blood for the woman that he loves, um, which wouldn't, you know... So explain a little bit, like, you know, like the, the age. Yeah, they're kids. Yeah, they're like... They're kids, right. Yeah, they're and, 12. and she's a vampire. Uh, no spoiler there. <laughs> um, and so at the beginning of the movie, her she has a, a man who um, goes out and kills people for her and, and drains her blood and, and brings it to her so she can live. Um, but he's getting on in age and he starts making a lot of mistakes and uh, gets fired, <clears throat> I would say. Um, <laughs> So at that point, she needs a new a new uh, person to do this, but it wasn't presented as a victimization. I mean, she obviously uh, really liked him, and one of the first things she said to him is, uh, just so you know, we can't be friends. And she um, helps him with bullies at school. She really encourages him to hit back. You have to hit back. You have to hit back hard. I can't. There's three of them. And you hit back even harder. I guess we're spoiling. She does kill everyone for him at the end. The bullies when they're about to kill him. So satisfying. I'm assuming you've seen this movie. Um, if you haven't, <laughs> well, too bad. Uh, you should still enjoy it. A- anyway, so I thought there were a lot of um, powerful love themes there, and you know, we're all just sort of uh, draining blood and killing for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the dynamic uh, in Let the Right One In, where um, you tend to like the main character or, or the vampire girl uh, more at first because she's not out there getting her blood someone's like like you would feed your 12 year old mm-hmm. you know you'd have to go and get them food and give it to them so there's a you know the the guy at first uh who's going out and, and killing people and getting the blood uh for her it makes her immediately more likable because of that vulnerability or she needs someone uh to do that uh she's not really the uh aggressor vampire yeah you feel better it yeah. makes you feel better. Oh, she just needs blood. Her. She just needs blood. That's you know where it's we going. All, it's not like blood. a real secret in the movie where it's heading. <laughs> He's but not like really they, good at it, they though. So, yeah. They Which sort one? Of make you feel. He's not good at getting blood. He like... The first guy. Yeah. Yeah. So how has he been doing it this whole time? Well, he's old at that point. My, he's yeah. been doing it since he was a kid. Because yeah. remember, they, yeah. he sees the, the photograph of when he was a kid. So he they met at the same age because she's always 12. And uh, now he's been doing this for 60 years or something. And, you know, he's fallen off. What did, what, did you, what did you think about it? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. That was great. I assume you'd seen it before. Yeah. I, did you watch the remake? Hell yeah, I did. Yeah. And I really liked it. It was fine. Yeah. It's just not, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it was so good the first time, you know? It's there's, a shot for shot. There's no reason yeah. for it to exist. But. No. But Some people like don't like people subtitles. Who don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. People won't read I liked, subtitles. I liked the detective, though. The detective character, the bald with the glasses, you know, and the jacket. Kevin, it's, it's, you don't like the remake at all, huh? Well, it's fine. I think Kat just said it's fine. But it's a shot for shot. Right. I like the graininess of the original, too. This was like a little too easy. If you're really going to throw a bunch of a budget at a movie just for people that don't like subtitles, just don't bother making the movie and tell those people to learn to read. Yeah, and the director at the time um, said that he wasn't making a remake of, of Let the Right One In the movie. He was making 
his own film of the book, which he didn't at all. No, it's like he just made let the shot for sure. I think if was a that movie, Matt Reeves? Uh, I don't remember. I think when you take an old movie that might have potential and you remake it to realize the vision that w- that didn't quite hit the mark the first time, that's when a remake is important uh, or is good because there's lots of movies, a lot of like '70s horror movies that you go back and watch them and you realize like, well. The Hills Have Eyes wasn't that amazing. No. Um, but, you know, the, the remake did it justice, I thought. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't watch the remake of Let the Right One In this time. I had seen it before. Uh, but but I, did, I also liked the original better. Where was that, uh, the original from? Sweden. 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 Um, Kevin, your pick. So I'm with Audition, early 2000s, Japanese horror. Um, Basically, a, a really, really slow burn uh, with a massive payoff, uh, and it's just about this businessman that's that's looking for love. So he's has a buddy that's out there trying to help uh, set him up with potential uh, woman, uh, finds what he thinks is the uh, love of his life, and it uh, goes horribly wrong. Uh, when you say looking for love, though. Um, he's looking for love in a curious way, um, sort of like, I guess, the original Tinder, except if you're on Tinder, you know you're on Tinder. Uh-huh. He was looking for love in um, a dishonest way. It, yeah. was a, it was essentially tricking people into thinking that they were auditioning, mm-hmm. so to speak, for one thing, when really it was just a, a human cattle call. <laughs> so to me, it was sort of like he, he was getting his comeuppance this was his comeuppance right, for being, you know, yes. Such but I a think jerk. they did a really interesting thing where it's almost like more like the like his his buddy. Yeah, his buddy talked him into it. Sure. Yeah. So like, I was torn at the. I still and I've watched this movie a, a number of times, but I still felt bad for him when what happened happened. Mm. Well, I mean, it's I hard know. not to. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Nobody deserves that. Uh, what happens at the end is very bad. Um, and again, like these all, uh, these all tie into um, the desperation of love, yeah, uh, and the lengths mm. that people will go to uh, for it. And a lot of times, it's unhealthy. These are the most tragic forms of, um, you know, unhealthy love. But um, I think that it's a little bit more accurate. Than a rom com, uh, watching these love horror movies. I mean, I like the ending, isn't it? But, <laughs> but, well, yeah, but my love right. life has had a lot more blood yeah, than a rom com. You know, so no, but like, you're way more likely to have like these rom coms. Like you're way more likely to have a buddy be like, "Hey, man, I'm going to set up literally a fake cast." That that is actually more likely to happen <laughs> than like serendipity with John Cusack. <laughs> you know, I mean. It is that is a good or like point. A t- or terrible outcome or like this uh, l- like lingering pain. Uh, it's you know love isn't always advertised as uh, like the darkness, the obsession, uh, the you know you'll do anything, um, and you know love can be very dark. Yeah, extremely, uh, Kat. What did you think of Audition? I had seen Audition when I was like a goth teenager, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to watch all these cool movies and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so rewatching it now, the whole time, I was just like, wow, this guy fucking sucks. He's <laughs> right. a creep. I yes. hate everybody. Yes. And then I was kind of rooting for that girl until, you know, I saw that big brown bag move in the corner. And I'm like, oh, no. She takes it a little far. I would say a little far, but again, personally. It's not, to me, it's not literal. 
No, but but you thought he was a jerk too. Yeah, I mean, I you know when I was like you know taking notes on it, I'm like, wow, this guy sucks, or maybe his friend sucks. No, nope, they both suck. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't disagree, but I do I do think that they did a nice. A nice job with that slow, slow burn, oh, making you think he's a dick. Yeah. And at the beginning, it's totally right. Oh, this guy is just so innocent. And he's just so down on his luck. Like, yeah. here comes his scummy buddy that's going to help him out. <laughs> hey, Kat, have you had an experience where, like, someone advertised themselves as, as one thing and then, like, totally switched it on you? Oh, yeah. Like, that's dating in my early 20s. Absolutely. Right? I'm dating all the time. Yeah, constantly. I'm, everyone, we're, aren't we all just trying to trick each other? You're trying to represent your best self, which turns into maybe not the most honest self. My, my uh, first date with uh, my current girlfriend, um, I brought her to a dive bar. Um, we got super drunk, and I was living at my parents' house at the time. I brought her back to my parents' house and made her like peanut butter and jelly. And, and like jello shots all night and it, I felt like it was a very honest right so no no like trickery this, there yeah. there's no trickery like this is what <laughs> this is me at my you know and that's why you've been vulnerable. together for so long you yeah. gotta start with you know the what's going on instead of being like I'm never fart I never do anything la 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 you yeah, know if you're willing to accept this <laughs> right yeah we got a good road bird. yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we want to talk about an upcoming horror release and keeping with the love theme. We all just sat down and watched the trailer for The Invisible Man, which will be out this month. I'm glad it's modernized because I always liked the story of The Invisible Man, but the you know 1930s version, it's a little too old. I'm not that much of a purist that I'm like, hey, where did he go? I'm, you know, he was there one minute, now he's gone the next. What's the big idea? You know, like I, I can't watch these, these horror movies like that. I think it's a, it's timely. Um, you know, there's so much stalking and and even social media stalking is kind of like the Invisible Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, Good call. Okay. Yeah, I think you just said it best when we were just watching the trailer. You know, you said it's it's super timely in that you know we're definitely at a point right now where we're dealing you know with a lot of issues with abusive relationships. Um, and I think you said the original that came out in the 1930s, Dave, you said, you know, back then people loved abusive oh, yeah. relationships. Yeah, it's, it's like, like my wife. And <laughs> yeah. Kat, what, you hadn't seen the trailer until just now. What did you think? Um, it looked interesting, but I have a hard time with Elizabeth Moss because she's a Scientologist. So oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of hard for political. me to be like, well, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, you're like running from this abusive blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but like, you're a part of that. Ah, kind that's of an thing. interesting take. So. That she's the Handmaid's Tale. Whoa. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. That's why I can't watch the Handmaid's Tale because I'm like, wow, what a hypocrite. It's so good. Stickler. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, I've so. seen that trailer like five times at the movies and uh, I'm into it. Looks looks interesting. Interesting. Um, obviously, it's like kind of a Me Too spin. Like, I don't think the original Invisible Man was the same. It's not quite the same story. Like mm -hmm. about stalking. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't turn invisible so he could stalk his ex. He's a good yeah. guy, right? In yeah. the, the original. First one. Although so. I think he does end up killing people. But um, yeah. yeah, you know, is it a cynical? Uh, is it a cynical take on Me Too? Like, I'm always leery when like these these horror production studios see some social thing and they go, oh, just 
make it like that. Hey, it's yeah. this is for the ladies. Look, he's abusive <laughs> and he stalks you. Like, is is it is it going to be sincere or is it going to be a cash in mm-hmm. on something that's you know it's great to explore in a movie, but you know I don't want to see I don't want to see a cynical cash grab on it. I, I think it's cool. I'm always a sucker for uh, something that started in the 1930s or way back in the day when they had no technology. And obviously, this is like the fourth or fifth iteration of The Invisible Man. I'm always a sucker to see what they can do with 2020 technology. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. for something like sure. that, how realistic they can make it. And It looks like the production quality looks cool. Mm-hmm. Like, the effects from the trailer look very interesting. Like, I hadn't seen uh, Black Christmas um, and, and also Child's Play, the remake of both, both of those. They're great. Well, they, they incorporate new technology with with this which when I, I heard something about like Chucky being able to access he's kind of like uh, Alexa or Ghost Siri. in the machine or something. <laughs> yeah like I, I kind of like that aspect I think it makes it scarier and it's cool when they can modernize uh, an old story. That's like a that. good point because I loved uh, the new Black Christmas uh, from last year. I absolutely loved it. It was one in my top 10 of the year. Uh, way better than the 2006 version even though it's PG-13 great one uh child's play remake not bad it's, it's fine like the last half hour did you see that kevin i have not it's, yeah i mean i didn't really i wouldn't say i liked it but you know, i, I like a serious take I, I mean i'm not really that into the goofy <laughs> killer adults yeah i'm not into the goofy like you bride know, of chucky i actually do like bride I mean, of chucky yeah. i almost picked that for the love episode i like bride I of chucky i think it's seed of chucky that was that's when they really jumped the shark. Yeah, like Leprechaun, Ginger Man, Ginger <laughs> Red Man. Leprechaun all those, the Hood. Yeah, those, those kind of lose you. But if, I mean, you were to make like a real Leprechaun, like, you know, modern day, like based on some like old Irish, gritty, Irish folklore. Gritty Leprechaun. Cat, you're a bride of Chucky girl? Chucky fucked me up. Really? Like when I was young. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. I was young when I saw it, and I don't, I can't do dolls, to be honest. That's like my one weakness. Like, the, I think the clown from Poltergeist really ingrained oh, sure. that in me. Sure, well, that's, yeah. So, well, it's we have always... a new conjuring coming up soon here that we're probably going to go see, so that doll's going to fuck you up too. Yep. <laughs> yes, it will. All right, well, uh, new movie roundup. Lots to think about. Invisible Man. Join us for future episodes that touch on feminism, classism, body shaming, bullying, politics, romance, abusive relationships, family, drug abuse, and the list just keeps on going. Yeah, shit's fucked up. It's a fucked up world.